Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. Before we get started here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, let me tell you about Football Insider, our text subscriber service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with the uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something and I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a tech service, pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Hey everybody, welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well. I'm Scott Patsko joining us. Scott, how are you? Doing good. All right, well, we got some news right before we came on to record this. So we're going to talk a lot about that, and then we'll get into our kind of final position preview where we'll look at the O-line and the tight ends. But look, we got to go back now and talk about safety because the Browns made a trade today. They sent a 2021 fifth to Jacksonville for safety Ronnie Harrison. Uh, Harrison was a former third round pick back in 2018. He's out of Alabama. Uh, Jacksonville apparently didn't want him. I don't know if they're going all in on the Trevor Lawrence slash Justin Fields sweepstakes here. I don't know if they need to actually try to do that, but uh, they're certainly letting a lot of defenders walk right now. So before we really dig into Harrison, Mary Kay, what was your kind of instant reaction when you saw this? 
Well, I was kind of surprised that they traded a, a player that I, I can't remember if the 70 tackles that he had last year were first or second. Scott, you would know you're our numbers guy. Uh, were first and second on the team. I can't remember. I just wrote this a little bit ago. But anyways, it was either first or second. And nine passes defense. Uh, he really came up the curve in terms of coverage. He's a strong safety. He can play some free. He's got some scheme versatility. All of those things are good. Doug Marone spoke very highly of him last year. So I was a little surprised that they let him go, especially for a fifth round pick. I mean, it was just seemed kind of odd, uh, but that's the Browns gain. And I actually think that he can challenge for, for some really good playing time on this team. Uh, now, Carl Joseph is coming off of a foot, he's coming off a foot surgery and he's in and out of practice, kind of has been taking off every other day in pads. And so it's insurance against that also helps ease the loss for the season of Grant Delpit to the ruptured Achilles. I think it's a good move for the Browns. Scott, your instant reaction. Uh, it made a lot of sense. When I did my 53-man projection a couple days ago, uh, I put in there that I didn't see them going into the season with a safety depth chart rounded out by a couple of undrafted rookies. I thought that maybe they survived Saturday, but come Sunday, the Browns are probably going to be adding some people. Uh, well, they did it a lot earlier than, than I thought. So it makes a lot of sense. He seems like somebody who can step into the Grant Delpit role. Um, he's, a, you know, he's, he's pretty good at coverage. He's obviously a pretty good tackler. Um, hasn't been great against the run. So I don't think you're going to see him up in the box trying to, uh, you know, chase running backs around. He's going to be more of a coverage guy. So it makes a lot of sense. And you have, you have he's a younger guy, which I think works because you have, the veterans and Joseph and Sandejo kind of in those starting roles right now. So I think it, it's a good pickup. Yeah. I, um, I just look at what they gave up, right. A 2021 fifth round pick for a guy who's still young. Uh, he's 23 years old. So uh, this is a guy that even though he's been in the league now in his third year, he, he's still a young guy. You give up a fifth round pick, you get to bring him in and maybe he eases that pain of losing Grant Delpit, but also, Next year, when Delpit comes back, maybe you've got the potential to see if these two can work together. If you like what he shows you this year, you maybe pair him with Delpit next year. Who knows? Maybe you stumble into your, your long-term safety duo uh, with these two guys. And if you don't, okay, it's no big deal because it only costs a fifth-round pick. This is just a good, low-risk move. These are the sorts of things that the Browns should be trying to do kind of with the, with the state their roster is in right now. When they have areas where they have holes, give up a couple of those extra draft picks if you have them, especially if they're low picks and, and see what you can find. Yeah. Fifth round pick uh, for a guy like this really is a no brainer. And again, at his age, at the age of 23, he's a good young developmental player. Now he ended up on injured reserve his rookie year in 2018 at the end of the season. Uh, so he didn't even, he wasn't even able to play that whole season. He's got one full season under his belt. And, you know, I just think the Browns saw something in him. Uh, definitely worth giving up a fifth round pick for and who knows what he could work into they seemed to uh, kind of like his upside potential so yeah it was it was a little I don't know a little odd that they would give him away like this um, but again I, I think that it speaks to not really knowing if Carl Joseph is going to be able to handle a full-time workload every single game right from the start and also trying to uh, you know help replace Grant Delpit and, um, you know, let's, let's hope that Grant can come back next year healthy. These are about a nine-month injury in Achilles. 
but in doing some research, uh, the good news is that about 75% of players do come back from a torn Achilles or a ruptured Achilles, but 25% obviously uh, do not make it back from that. Um, but he's young and I'm sure he will. And everyone says he has the mindset to be able to do it, but you never really know. The Browns had two, two fifth round picks to work with there for 2021, one of which uh, crossed a Corbett. We don't know, I don't think we know which, yet which one it is. Although I think John Dorsey's probably rooting for that Austin Corbett pick to be the one. He's gonna be a big Ronnie Harrison fan now because if Harrison works out, well then Austin Corbett was totally worth it, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. To get this long-term starting safety. You know, you mentioned the, the Delpit element of this, right? And one of the first things I did was I, I went over to Pro Football Focus and, and they do a pretty good job of tracking, you know, where guys played. And last year, you know, he played a lot of free safety, 402 snaps at free safety, but they also have him 257 snaps in the box, 57 snaps at, at slot corner, 24 at wide corner. So this is a guy that at least last year put a lot of tape out there of playing multiple positions. And that's really what Grant Delpit was going to do in this defense. He, he might not have necessarily been, hey, you're starting strong safety or you're starting free safety. He was going to be a guy that played sort of across the field at all levels. And so now, you know, Harrison gives you an opportunity to get a look at him doing that uh, and really filling in for Delpit. But he also has that free safety background. So again, if you like him, you got him for this year and next year under contract, you can throw him at free safety next year, let Delpit be your strong. You know, that, that's way down the road and that's projecting a lot, but that's the kind of the ceiling of this trade, I guess. Yeah, and um... You know, again, when, when they drafted Grant Delpit, uh, the big, huge thing about him was that versatility, that he could, uh, you know, play in the big nickel, uh, that, you know, which really is primarily, you know, the three safeties uh, and, and two cornerbacks. But, uh, you know, he can play in that. He can probably play up in the box. He can cover. And he can do some of those things that Grant was going to be able to do. And they're going to have these guys on the field a lot because, they're going to be in sub defenses most of the time. You know, I, th I just think it's a really good pickup and somebody that will, I think, play early and often. He's, he's pretty big too. Um, I'm looking at it right now. They've got him listed at 6'3", uh, 214 pounds. So, you know, this, this is a, a big safety, uh, which, which I think is a good thing as well um, to, to bring him in. And one other interesting note, when we mentioned pro football focus, we talk about how this front office really seems to like them. I went back and looked at their 2018 big board. He was their number 51 overall prospect. And unless my search missed somebody, their number two safety. Now there was a big gap between one and two, uh, but he was a very highly rated safety uh, coming out of college by pro football focus, which with this front office, as we've learned even going back to when Andrew Barry was here the first time under Sashi, that that's been a very important thing to at least keep an eye on. Yeah, I went back and looked at his scouting report. I think it was Bleacher Report. Yeah, I think it was Matt Miller's Bleacher Report uh, on him prior to the draft. And yeah, it was, it was really glowing. And it was surprising that he wasn't a first round pick the way he talked about him, just his physicality and his tackling ability and, and just how he sees him translating to, to the NFL. His coverage ability was there. So, um, you know, it hasn't been it hasn't been maybe first round production from him. You know, he maybe he's played closer to his pick over the first couple of years here, but uh, you're right about 
him being all over the field. And I think if you look at uh, Carl Joseph and Andrews and Dayhill, they, they also switched around a lot. And I think defense is more, you're seeing more of that, you know, it's, it's not necessarily just a strong safety or a free safety. It's those guys who can kind of morph those positions and, and move around. Everybody wants to play positionless basketball and football now. So maybe Harrison's a guy who, another guy who can help him do that. Yeah. The, um, he was the seventh safety drafted that year projected to be a second round pick, uh, by a lot of, about a lot of places, but, um, they were really happy to get him when they got him in the third round. They felt he fell to them and that his potential was higher than that. And he was really graded very, very highly by almost all the sites. Yeah. All right. So uh, a very interesting trade here by the Browns. It's certainly, you know, look, low risk, potentially high ceiling. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but first, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we'll continue our position previews. We'll wrap it up. We're going to talk about the offensive line, and we're going to talk about the tight ends. Back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko. So let's continue our position previews. We talked about the back end of the defense, the front end of the defense. We've talked about the wide receivers and the running backs. If you missed any of those, check out your podcast feed and make sure to get all caught up. We're not going to spend time on the quarterbacks, unfortunately. There's not really a whole lot to talk about there. Uh, so we're going to leave them out of the equation. So let's talk about the offensive line and then the tight ends. You know, there, there's not a ton really at either position, but there are some interesting bubble guys. But when we start on the offensive line, of course, the most interesting thing, Mary Kay, is there could be a rookie starting at center. We knew there was going to be a rookie starting at left tackle, but the Browns might be in this unenviable position of having both a rookie at left tackle and now a rookie at center potentially. But based on what we're hearing about J.C. Treader, I know you texted our football insider something about J.C. Treader as well. You know, we're still a long ways away from ruling him out for that first game. Yeah, I mean, I've been told all along that he's cutting it very close. Usually when you have a knee scope, it's about a four to six week injury. And this would be exactly four weeks. He had the surgery on August 13th, game September 13th. So it is cutting it close, but it's JC Treader. We watched him gut it out on a high ankle sprain all of 2018. He likes to be out there. He likes to be available. I've been told that there is still a legitimate chance that he's going to come out and start that game against the Baltimore Ravens seems far-fetched because we have not even seen him out there at all but he's a veteran and he knows Baker Mayfield he knows Joel Batonio very well uh you know he knows Wyatt Teller on that side of him so it's not like he's not used to these guys they have their communication down they have their timing down and I think uh, that if he can be there that he will try to do that you got to believe the Browns are thinking along those lines and even if he isn't, the fact that they haven't gone out and gotten somebody else to come in and actually compete to be a starter, that they've kind of let Nick Harris handle that in training camp, probably tells you they feel all right about where everything's at. Certainly they'd want Treader in there right now, but they seem to be okay with Harris. You know, they've, the guys that they did bring in center to play center during camp were, you know, undrafted guys who, who have been in the league maybe a couple of years on practice squads, but haven't really played. So, um, I think I get the sense that they feel they're all right there, that if Treader can't play, they're probably okay with Harris going through week one. And, you know, they, they clearly think Treader's coming back sooner rather than later. 
No, and as, as has kind of been the theme in, in all, whenever we talk about Wills, whenever we talk about Harris, the guy in the middle there is Joel Batonio. And, and this is a guy that is a veteran. He's been around since 2014. So if Harris needs a little help making a call, you know, Batonio the other day, you know, I actually asked him about it and, and he basically said, look, we've got to make the calls. We've got to get our protections right. So if that means I have to do it or if Jack Conklin has to do it or Wyatt Teller, you know, we're, we're going to get that stuff done. So having that guy like Batonio right there at left guard and that stability with Batonio is, is going to be a big help, especially for Harris, because center is such an important position. We don't talk about it a ton, but just having a guy that kind of knows what he's seeing, that has seen Baltimore over and over again, like J.C. Treader has, you know, that, that's helpful. And, of course, you're, you're going to lose that if you don't have Harris. Uh, the other guy, of course, is Jedrick Wills. Um, how confident right now are you guys feeling with Wills starting a left tackle, Mary Kay? I know you, you guys have both talked to Joe Thomas over the course of this offseason. Uh, Mary Kay, you posted something today talking to Joe, talking to, uh, Joe Thomas and Scott uh, earlier in the offseason as, as well about making that transition from right to left. How confident are you guys right now in the Jedrick Wills? I don't want to call it an experiment, but the, the Jedrick Wills experience, I guess. Well, you know, I, I was really interested to hear what Joe Thomas had to say at this point after we've seen criticism of Jed Wills. We've seen a little bit of film. We've seen him, you know, get beat from time to time on things and go through those growing pains, those inevitable growing pains that you're going to go through. But to hear Joe Thomas say that he still thinks that he is going to put together a Pro Bowl career and that his expectations are still as high as they always were, he's asking for patience for Jed Wills. And he, you know, relayed an anecdote that uh, after his 15th OTA practice, an offensive coach came up to Joe Thomas and said, I don't feel right about putting you out there. You're going to get our quarterback hurt. And, uh, you know, I thought that was pretty significant because, you know, when he said that, it, you know, Jed hadn't even really had 15 full practices yet. Now he's about there. But, um, but really that, you know, it's incredible when you think of everything Jed Wills missed getting up to this point, when you add it all up. Uh, I think he's, he missed roughly somewhere in the neighborhood of like 40 opportunities to get out there on the grass and perfect and hone his craft. And that's a lot. That is an absolute lot. So we are expecting a lot of him. And I think we all need to dial that back a little bit. Yeah, I think that's the key is don't make any sweeping judgments from what you see in week one or even early on in the season because, you know, it, it doesn't mean that he isn't going to be a, a good left tackle. It just means that he missed so much and he's starting from a place that in normal circumstances, he wouldn't on top of moving over to the other side of the line. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what that means about my confidence uh, that he can get the job done. I think right now it's just, it's just wait and see. Um, you know, again, you don't even have preseason games to, to do this. We're talking about practice, which, it's really hard to judge someone's uh, abilities on the offensive line in practice. So, you know, we're all going to find out where he's at in week one and just kind of go from there. Think about how much more practice time Joe Thomas had than Jedrick Wills. I mean, not just with Jedrick Wills losing OTAs and stuff, but Joe Thomas came into the league in 2007. So we're talking about a guy that predates the CBA in 2011, uh, fairly certain they were still doing two days in 2007 it kind of blurs as, as to when those went away but you're talking two days in, in training camp um, 
the spring program was a lot more robust. Um, I mean, Joe Thomas had tons of practice time to get ready. And of course, he ended up being a future Hall of Famer, not just because of that, obviously, but it just kind of speaks that contrast to what Jedrick Wills has to get ready versus what a guy like Joe Thomas had to get ready. And, and offensive linemen already suffer, I think, from the lack of practice time that teams have. That's usually the unit that takes the longest time to gel once that season starts. Uh, another position we spent a ton of time on and really kind of nothing happened is right guard. Wyatt Teller's kind of the guy, and, and we haven't really talked about Wyatt Teller all training camp because that's a good thing when you don't have to talk about your right guard. So you know, Wyatt, Wyatt Teller it is, Mary Kay. Well, Joel Batonio had some high praise for Wyatt Teller the other day and how hard he worked in the offseason. He says he knew he was coming in here, that it was going to be a competition. And, I mean, it wasn't as much of a competition as it was going to be because Nick Harris was going to be part of that competition, and Nick Harris ended up at center. Drew Forbes was going to be part of that competition, and Drew Forbes opted out for the season. So it wasn't as much of a competition as it was supposed to be, but nevertheless, he worked for it, and he wanted to earn this job. He started nine games there last season, and he wanted to pick up right where he left off and build upon it and nail down that right tackle job. It's his job, and, and I think he'll do fine. Yeah, I'll say this about the offensive line, that there really hasn't been a lot of shuffling there. Uh, it's been pretty consistent, and, and you're right. If, if J.C. Turner doesn't have surgery and Forbes doesn't opt out, maybe there is competition. Maybe we see guys getting their turns at first team. But really, between that and even the second team, that's been pretty consistent too, which is a big difference from last year because you also had a lot of guys shuffling through there trying to figure out who was going to be the swing guy, you know, who were going to be the – the, uh, the backup tackles, things like that. But it seems pretty pretty easy to figure out who's going to work. Dan, I think our 53-man projections had the same nine guys uh, on the offensive line. Um, you have Hen uh, Kendall Lamb and Chris Hubbard at the tackles. Evan Brown is one of the swing guys. Um, and he's pretty much been the second-team center throughout. So I think they're pretty set here. Um, yeah, there's concerns with the rookies, but I think they know who they want to play in those positions. And the most important part is, They've been together every practice, so at least there's that. Yeah, and you know, these these positions where it seems so easy to put that group together always worry me, but I think this is one of those seasons where it's just hard to really have somebody come up and, and make a move for a position. And, and you look at a guy like Hubbard, a guy like Lamb, I mean, they redid Hubbard's contract to keep him here. Uh, Lamb has been, you know, when, when they took out Jedrick Wills to, because he had a false start or something. It was Lamb who usually came in to, to take over as that first team left tackle. So it's really hard to think that either of those guys won't make it. I, I guess center's the only wild card, right? If, if Evan Brown's not the guy, maybe they go a different direction there. But uh, it seemed like a – I don't know. I don't think there's going to be many surprises there at that position. And I don't know how many surprises there's going to be. Mary-Kate, did you have something to add to the O-line there? Well, you know what I was going to say is I think um, we should note the fact that we kind of thought that going into this scrimmage Friday night at First Energy Stadium, that there would be some make or break moments for some of those guys, and that maybe we'd be able to kind of gain some clues from what we were seeing. But when Kevin Stefanski came out and said that it's really going to be, you know, a dress rehearsal, literally a dress rehearsal to the point where they're going to put on their uniforms, they're going to put on headsets, they're going to uh, do all the things that you would normally do to go through the game day experience. I just don't think that there's going to be anything that's going to happen on the field uh, that, that is going to make or break anybody. I think the positions are pretty well set now. 
Yeah, well, and, and the other interesting thing, I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to bring up another point here, is the Browns made four waiver moves today. We're recording this on Thursday and also a trade. And I think what we're seeing is without that fourth preseason game, which would have been played tonight, teams don't need – they already have reduced rosters, but they don't need a roster full of guys to sort of staff a fourth preseason game. So I bet there, there have been a lot of decisions made already. And we're starting to see some of those decisions begin to play out even a little earlier than normal. Usually on Friday before cutdown day is when we really start to see these things happen. But the reality is you don't need all these guys around anymore because you don't have a game to play. Uh, tight end. Again, a lot of stability up there. Austin Hooper, Harrison Bryant, uh, David Njoku. Sorry, David, I almost forgot your name there for a second. <laughs> After him, the things get a little bit interesting. And Scott, I think you and I went different directions on our 53 with our, our fourth tight end. I think we both agreed there would be four. You went with Pharaoh Brown. I went with Steven Carlson. I wouldn't be shocked with either guy. You know, if they decided one over, one over the other, if they decided to manage a way to keep both initially, I don't think either guy would shock me making the roster. No, I think, and that's really the competition. I think it's kind of obvious if they're going to go with four, and that's what uh, Stefanski had last year with the Vikings, I believe. Um, then, yeah, it comes down to those two guys. And I went with Brown because even though he's the guy who's, since he's been here has been the quote unquote blocking tight end and has, you know, done pretty well in that role. I have three or four visions in my head of him making really good catches this training camp, um, a couple in the end zone. Uh, so he's clearly worked on, you know, trying to improve that part of his game. Although earlier this week, I thought I might've been saying the same thing last year <laughs> about him, but again, you know, he made the team obviously. So, uh, I just think that uh, if you want somebody, I think maybe he brings more blocking consistency and history than, than Stephen Carlson, but really it could be either guy. And at the end of the day, whoever gets that fourth spot is going to primarily be being uh, on special teams anyways. Yeah, I, I do think that that's a, a tough decision because you really have two different styles of guy there and you just kind of have to decide which one you want. Uh, but for some reason, and sometimes these things do come down to a gut feeling, I just feel like they've talked very highly about Steve, Stephen Carlson over the past how many ever months. You just hear little snippets about him, and you kind of get the idea that they like him. Uh, so I probably would go and will go with, with Stephen Carlson, too. Uh, but It's they, Ivy League bias. That's what it is. <laughs> the front office is full of them. He's an Ivy League guy. That's all you need. You're yeah. on the roster. That could be it. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think whoever doesn't get that spot probably shouldn't uh, start packing up their boxes just yet. They'll probably end up still in the locker room, just on that expanded practice squad. Um, how, how do we feel about the tight end position overall? Because on the one hand, obviously, they go out, they get Austin Hooper. That's a really good signing. Harrison Bryant has been really good. After that, I still have some questions about David Njoku you know, he's done it before, but he's also not done it before. You know, is he going to make that leap this year? And then we're talking about Pharaoh Brown and, and Steven Carlson. Do we feel like that group top to bottom is, is as good as it needs to be? The top looks good, but do we feel like top to bottom it's as good as it needs to be? You know, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes because I think Harrison Bryant has sort of exceeded expectations and come along quicker than some of us may have thought he would in this camp. I mean, he just looked like he belonged. He caught everything that came his way. And I think you could put him in a game 
and count on him to make some plays for you. So I, I, I'm going to say yes. And then as far as David Njoku is concerned, uh, I think the wrist soreness was a setback. Uh, that's not something he needed. When you only have about 14, you do, 14 padded practices. When you only have 14 of them, you can't be missing a week and hope that you are going to gain some ground uh, in the standings. So that didn't help his cause at all. In fact, that's when Harrison Bryant really came on strong and used that opportunity to put himself on the map and maybe even leapfrog uh, David Njoku into the number two tight end spot. We don't know for sure yet. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm still curious as, as to, to find out if, if they would move David Njoku. I mean, there's still that little, like, for the time being, quote, hanging out there. Uh, he, he didn't look happy during the wrist thing. He came back in the scrimmage last week, and he looked great. And uh, he had a really nice night. Uh, but And we have now, we're not able to watch the rest of practice anymore, so we don't really know how this week went. But, um, I mean, I think he, when you ask for a trade, you kind of put a target on your back. You've got to come out. And you really have to take that next step up. You have to show that you are worth everything that you think you're worth and make them not want to move you. I think the Browns have uh, the top three tight ends. That's as good a group as, as there probably is in the NFL. I mean, the potential is certainly there. I know Njoku has had issues, but his 28 season was really good. And he showed that he can be productive and, and make plays and, you know, if Harrison Bryant can carry over what he did in camp for the regular season, that's a tough trio. The, the key here is how well do they run block? That's a big part of this offense, and how well they do that will probably end up determining how well, you know, they're viewed as a group. But as pass catchers, uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski has a lot to work with. And I think for Njoku, too, he might not like to hear this, but I think it's, it's probably good for him that he might be – well, it not might be. He's definitely the number two or number three guy. He, you know, he's not the number one tight end. He's not the focus of that tight end room. So, you know, now he puts a ball on the ground. Well, that's okay. You're, you know, you're just the number two or three tight end. You got some time to kind of get yourself right. And, and, you know, we'll see where we, we'll see where you are next time, I guess. But uh, it's probably good that he's a little bit down the pecking order, even if that's not where he wants to be. All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We will be back with you on Monday. We'll break down what that, that roster looks like. We're going to let the waiver claims go through and, and take a look at what the Browns did on Saturday and Sunday following that scrimmage on Friday. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you check out Football Insider as well because during that scrimmage, whatever it looks like tonight, we'll have some texts for you and some updates, some instant analysis going out to our Football Insider subscribers. 216-208-3965 to start your free trial. For Scott and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening,